This is your woo-woo best friend, a show about attainable transformation. Hey friends, it's Andy. Welcome back to the show. This is your woo-woo best friend. We have a big announcement coming up as we wrap up season three. We are not quite there yet. However, I will go ahead and tell you we have some rebranding coming for season four. Season four will start at the beginning of 2024. So if you are thinking about your brand and you're like, wait a minute, I think 2024 is the right time for me for a little zhuzhing of the brand also, I wanted to let you know my November and December Conscious Strategy Months got super booked up, which is amazing. I'm so thrilled to be helping so many of you with building out your strategy for 2024. January has one space left. So if you're listening to this episode right as it comes out, you might be able to get it. And I do still have some space in February. So if you are wanting to work together one-on-one to take your business, your brand, and turn it into something obsession-worthy where you're driving likes into leads, into sales, and you are completely in love with the process and enjoying tapping into your talents and gifts and energetic flow along the way, this will help you tremendously. We also have the Unschool open now. So if you're more of the DIY type and you want to just go do this yourself, the Unschool has so much good stuff in it. I can't even tell you. It has Manifestation Blueprint, which used to be its own course. It is now inside of the Unschool Intuitive Biz Academy. So you get How to Start, which gives you all the tools and resources to create your own obsession-worthy brand. It has everything from swipe copy to how to create a brand manifesto to how to launch a 10K digital course to how to turn your Instagram on, how to get collaborations, how to create your first financial statement. It has all of that stuff. Even the things you think, I maybe don't need this, but you will down the road. It is there for you and it never expires. So you'll just have it. Then it also has Manifestation Blueprint to help you stay in the mindset of being the creative, the kind, the caring entrepreneur that you are meant to be. Today, I have a very special guest. And one of the things that I find to be so incredibly important when it comes to building business, building brands, taking good care of ourselves is healing and rewiring our nervous system. So this guest is made for this conversation. Olivia Marie is passionate about healing and rewiring the nervous system to heal our trauma and live an abundant life by bringing together the physical body with the emotional and energetics. She teaches us how to create full body healing. She focuses not only on how to get out of survival mode, which I know so many of us can be stuck in that survival mode. She's going to help us to get into thriving mode. She loves to help women to live a life that feels delicious, not only in the food that you eat and in your body, but also with your mindset, your wealth, your manifestation process. She's helped thousands of women not only heal from their symptoms, but create a life beyond their wildest dreams. Welcome to the show, Olivia. I'm so grateful to have you. Let's get into it. Hey, Olivia, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. 
So lovely to get to spend some time with you and get to know a bit about you and your work. So let's get started by, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? I'm so interested in talking about your journey, but just give us the, you know, the 30 second rundown of you and who you are and what you're up to. I mean, you were going to ask that. I was like, she's going to ask me the brief rundown. I'm like, how do we explain who I we know, are? In, like, I know, I know, it's so true. It's like a lifetime, right? Yeah. So my closest like 30 second lifetime Cole's notes is I struggled with chronic illness for a very long time. And that kind of led me to naturopathic medicine because I really wanted to find like the root cause, right? I was told everything is normal. Testing is normal from a Western medicine perspective. And I was like, well, there's got to be an answer, which led me to naturopathic medicine. Then I was like, well, this is what I want to do with my life. So I went and became a naturopathic doctor. And from there I was like, but there's more, there's more answers there. I'm like, okay, but what is the root? Even like naturally, why do we, what is causing the underlying thing, even if it needs to be healed naturally, which brought me to nervous system work. And then I was like, my world opened again. I was like, oh my gosh, the root of everything is like nervous system. And I just fell so in love with nervous system because I felt like I could see all the different parallels and things that allowed me to actually fully heal my kind of like chronic illness like completely where it was no longer something I had to manage, even something managed with natural remedies. It was something that was just no longer an issue for me. And I just became so passionate when I discovered like how dysregulated I was, how dysregulated the people around me are, how we live in such a dysregulated world. And I was like, why is no one talking about this? Like we need to talk about this. And so I kind of like really focused in, in terms of, yes, I do natural healing, but it's very much from a nervous system perspective. And I just think I want to spread the message, but like work on our nervous systems. And that is like the Cole's notes of me. Yeah. That's a really good 30 seconds. Somebody asked me that question the other day and I was like, I love cats and reading and going to the beach. What else do you want to know? I was like, I can't just do this in 30 seconds. So, and now I've just asked you to do the same thing. And that was a much better version than I would have given. So that was, that was so good. So tell me a little bit about that journey and the process of becoming a healer. You had to go through a lot to get to a point in which you were like, actually, I need to do this and share this work because it's been so incredible for myself. So tell me a little bit of those like pivot points within your journey that brought you to this work. I think one of the pivotal things for sure was definitely the fact that even with my chronic symptoms and I had like chronic acne, PCOS, IBS, like leaky gut, chronic fatigue, I was intolerant to 180 foods. Like if you ever done one of those food tests, I had 180, do you know how many foods that is? I was basically, the only thing I could eat were green vegetables, sweet potato, and like chicken, but like no oranges, no avocado, no like watermelon. I'm like, these are all things good for me. Why is my body reacting to this? And so me, I think just always being willing to find an answer. And like, that's just part of, I think my, my, I know it's part of my human design in terms of whatever in my chart, I'm very much an investigator. So I always knew there was an answer. So where I feel like some people are like, Oh, I just have IBS. I was like, no, no, I just don't have IBS. I'm like, we're going to find a solution. We're going to find an answer. And I'm very much like their answer is somewhere out there. And I think that's really one of the pivotal things that helped me was I wasn't willing to settle for just, this is something you have to live with. This is something you're going to have to manage. I was like, no, let, let, let's solve that. And so one of the pivotal things I think when I was first kind of dismissed by Western medicine was going to find naturopathic medicine. And that was like the first time where someone validated what I was going through and wasn't like, oh, there's nothing we can do. They're like, 
oh, okay, there's liver support. There's gut things we can do. There's dysbiosis. There's all of this stuff going on. I was like, great, wonderful. Hop on and do that. And then that really improved my symptoms significantly, but wasn't to the point where they were completely gone. I had to constantly take, you know, L-glutamine, take these things. You know, I was doing IVs. I was doing all that. I was like, but should this really be necessary in order for me to just feel okay all the time? And I still love supplements and I still think there's like a time and there's a place for them in the healing journey, but I don't believe we should necessarily need to be on them our whole lives. Like we shouldn't need to be on Vitex for the rest of our lives for our cycles to be great. Right. So from there, I was really like, all right, what's kind of the next step. And so when I found kind of trauma healing and healing your nervous system and kind of like not only approaching your health from a physical health standpoint, but what about emotional health? Because I had realized, ooh, get goosebumps as I say this. I was doing all these wonderful physical things. And so I feel like I tapped out the physical stuff for my health. All like the good quality supplements, all like the clean food and no vegetable oils and no this. But what was I doing for my emotional health? Right. How was I like taking care of that part? And I feel like that is a very pivotal point because that's also a missing piece that I don't think we realize often enough is like, okay, we're doing all of these great physical things for our body. And I know even with a lot of women that I've worked with, you get to the point where you've tried everything. And it's like, well, I've done the gluten-free, dairy-free, know this. Why isn't it working? Like it doesn't make sense. And it's like, oh, we also have an emotional body that we need to take care of. And the fact that our emotions do show up in our physical body, right? When we're sad, we physically cry. That that shows how emotion has a physical manifestation. And so for me, it was kind of like this pivotal light bulb of like, well, yeah, I've maxed out what I can do physically. Now it's about what do I need to do emotionally to then support my physical body. And from there, I was like, wow, this this was the answer that I had missed for 10 years. I got I found it after 10 years. But that was like definitely those few pivotal moments that really integrated and I think allowed me to transition from like where I was even like health wise, symptom wise, um, all the way to like where I am now. Oh, so, so interesting. So it, it brings me to this idea. So I, I studied Kundalini yoga. I, I'm a certified Kundalini yoga teacher. I don't, I don't teach it in studio, but I use it in my work quite a bit. And it brings me to this idea of the 10 bodies in Kundalini yoga and the 10 bodies are, and it's ultimately all of the bodies are equal. Like there's not one body that's like more important than, than the other. And the bodies are the soul body, the physical body, the arc line, which is kind of this space ar- around the body, the auric body, which is expands out from the arc line, the pranic body, which is our, our breath, the subtle body, the radiant body, the negative mind, the positive mind, and the neutral mind. And all of those are equally as important to our overall well-being. So if your auric field is not well, or if your neutral mind is not well, then your physical body can't be well either. So that just just brings me to that thinking. So I'm I'm interested to hear what is a neutral regulated nervous system. So a neutral regulated nervous system is not necessarily like a nervous system that is quote unquote perfect. It's about your ability to come back down after you've had an up and an up being like a fight or flight response. So it's like how well is your nervous system able to come back down to regulate after you've had a stressful event or you've had something happen to you. It's like, how well are you able to recover? How well are you able to come back to homeostasis, right? Because 
things will happen in life, whether you get sick or whether this happens, like we can't necessarily control that. But if your nervous system is actually more regulated and resistant to be able to handle stress and handle things, then you end up being more of that steady state. But what happens is people get stuck in a chronically dysregulated state and they never come back down. So what happens is it just builds and builds and builds. And after a long time, you just kind of live in a chronically dysregulated state because your nervous system actually hasn't had the chance to come down in between stressors. And then what I'll also add on to that, I think is just the fact that we do live in an age right now, which is more dysregulating than, you know, 30 or 50 years ago. We want to add into social media consumption, what's been going on the last three years. Like there's a lot more things that are potentially dysregulating us that our nervous system isn't actually fully equipped. Like when we think about the level of communication and yes, technology has advanced things so well, we're also living in a space where our nervous system is actually getting bombarded by so much more. So we actually need to do things to regulate it that is in proportion to what we're also stimulating our nervous system with, right? Our grandma, when people say, well, my grandma didn't suffer with this. It's like, yeah, but your grandma did not have like the technology we had. They didn't consume the social media and the things and the that. So their nervous systems weren't as stimulated. So like, that's why grandma didn't have to deal with this because if you needed to talk to grandma, you had to do the, the dial phone or mail a letter, you know, we're, we just weren't as stimulated. So I think that's really important to think about is that like, what are you doing in proportion to how you're stimulating your nervous system and how much do you feel your nervous system does come back into balance? Or do you feel like it's constantly building and building and building? Do you think in Western society, we have this addiction cycle to a dysregulated nervous system? hundred percent. People are actually addicted to the dysregulation because it gives you a dopamine high. And that's the thing. You actually do get a high from being dysregulated. And then when we crash, it's actually like, what's wrong? It's like when we're actually calm and regulated, we look for problems. We actually seek out dysregulation because we become more comfortable being dysregulated. And oftentimes when I work with women, it's like once their nervous system is actually calm, it's the uncomfortable feeling of their nervous system being calm. It feels very like vanilla to them. I'm like, no, this is just a calm nervous system. This is what it's like to actually have space in your day and space in your thoughts. And you can sit and just be, and we're not just like, on a hand, it, it, it's actually profound. And so hundred percent, we are addicted to it because we do get amounts of secondary gain, right? We do get neurochemicals in our body that actually fire off when we're dysregulated. How can someone identify if they are in a thriving mode versus a surviving mode? I mean, I think if you were to ask someone, do you feel like you're sur- surviving or thriving? You, someone could probably tell you, right? This is a Thriving is very much of that overflow energy versus even if you look at someone's language, like, how you doing? Like, oh, it's going like I'm surviving. I'm going through it. If you feel like you're going through the motions, if you don't feel like your energy is really like expanding and you feel fulfilled during the day and you feel nourished, like to me, survival is very like up and down. You are exhausted or maybe like you have anxiety and then you come down. So you have the roller coaster you're not really in the space where you're operating from overflow. To me, the overflow is really that line where we go from like surviving to thriving. You have an Instagram post I was taking a look at as I was going through all of all of this great information that you share. By the way, everyone who's listening, if you're into this, definitely go check out Liv's Instagram because there's so much good stuff. And it said, 
Um, I love you, but safety doesn't come from avoiding. And I think like sometimes as women, we really feel like, well, that's just the move. Let me just like avoid this and it'll be okay. So can you talk a little bit about that? I love that you brought this up because so much we sweep things under the rug and like pretend it's not there. And if we think about it like sweeping dirt under the rug, we oh, we put the rug over it. It's not there. However, you can't really do that in your subconscious because it's kind of always there. So you might pretend it's giving you the illusion of your avoiding, but your body is still like reacting to it behind the scenes. So when you do that, all you do is allow your nervous system to stay trapped in that state instead of actually uncovering. And you can uncover gently, like you don't have to plunge into the, the deep end and like go full throttle, but you can start to peel back layers. And so it's like, oh, instead of avoiding, what if I were to actually look at this so that I can heal from it and I can do differently so that I don't have to keep sweeping it under the rug, right? That way we're addressing things and long-term it's actually going to be less for you, right? How exhausting do, do we feel when we're trying to manage all the things? If we were just to look at each thing and heal them, we'd actually have to manage less in the long term. You'll have more energy. You'll feel more pleasure. You'll feel more joy. Can you talk a little bit about trauma? Trauma, I think we're starting to learn. Trauma runs really deep in our body. And even when we feel like, okay, I've processed that. I went to a lot of therapy or whatever it may be, or I have a great meditation practice, we are learning that trauma is stored in our bodies. So how do we start to identify how and where trauma might be stored in our body and how we start to move through trauma so that we can live more healthy, happy, and full lives? The number one thing when it comes, actually, there's one thing I want to say about trauma before we dive into the how is, in case anyone's not familiar, Trauma can also be sometimes invalidated by people or they don't necessarily deem what they went through as like enough. If it's like, oh, I wasn't physically abused or there wasn't like this big mass of like sexual abuse, well, then I don't have trauma when that's not necessarily the case. Trauma is simply like three emotions that you experience at the same time that you don't know what to do with. And so number one thing I would say, and I always like to say this because people come to me when I've said this to them, they're like, oh, wow, is that even if you feel like things were quote unquote normal growing up, you might still have trauma. Even if your parents didn't get divorced, but you lived in a household where they were yelling all the time, or you feel like mom wasn't there when you needed her, even though you know she was working three jobs, you know, and she was doing it because she loved you, you still might have unprocessed emotions. So number one step is just getting curious and allow yourself without judgment or shame to just be curious of like, hmm, what is something maybe that I experienced that my, the little version of me experienced one way, even though I logically know mommy did it because mommy loves me. How did she perceive it? How did she kind of engage with it that then allowed her to store that? And then I would say, where are you feeling your, your symptoms? Like, are you having physical body symptoms? That's normally like a primary response where your physical body is literally giving you feedback about, you know, your trauma, what's going on. You know, are you having hormonal issues? Are you having gut issues? Are you having skin issues? Are you having headaches? Are you having pain? Your body's kind of like this beautiful, like dictionary feedback of like specific symptoms tied to specific, you know, traumas. If we're experiencing gut issues, like personal power, boundaries, hormonal issues, feminine energy, where are you stuck in your masculine? Where do you feel like it's not safe? Where are you not rooted, right? There's so many of these little feedback signals, but just, I think, becoming aware of like, okay, what is my body telling me? Giving yourself permission to not invalidate your experience. And then from there being like, hmm, I suffer with like lots of bloating. What are my boundaries like? 
oh, where do I give away my personal power? Hmm, that's interesting. You know, your cycle is your monthly report card. What's going on with that? Your bowel movements are your daily report card. What's going on with that? Am I more constipated? Oh, I have trouble letting go. Probably have some emotions to let go. Oh, I'm having more like loose bowel movements. Great. Like I have a fear of rejection. So like, where am I experiencing a fear of rejection? Is it in my partnership? Is it in whatever? And you can really start to understand yourself. And like that to me is like the first thing, because once you're aware of it and you understand it, you kind of see it in your life. And from there, you can start to take action steps. That's so, so good. I'm just like, oh, I want to just like work through the body and see what's going on. I had this experience last year and I've shared this on the show before. So I was like, I'm not going to talk about this because I've talked about it here before, but now I want to talk about it. So I had this experience last year and uh, I was having what my my GP and my dermatologist and all my Western medicine practitioners were, were they basically couldn't identify it. It was, there was, um, I was having severe inflammation. It was showing up on my skin um, to the point of like, I looked like a chipmunk some days where like my cheeks would be completely swollen, red whelps all over my skin. Um, I was so tired. Like I, I like literally in the morning was like, oh, oh my gosh, like something has happened. Like something's wrong. I'm that exhausted. And it went on for, I don't know, like three or four months, maybe a little bit longer than that, where if I had a flare up, it was really, really bad. So I, of course, I go to the GP first and then, which is, you know, what so many of us do now, I would have not done that same thing. I would have gone to my naturopath first, but I went to my GP first and then she sent me to the dermatologist and then the dermatologist sent me to the allergist and everyone was like, you're completely healthy until they made the decision that, oh, it must be lupus. And so then they diagnosed me with lupus, but then my blood test came back that there was no lupus markers and they were like, they're all on the phone with me telling me it's lupus. And then a week later they call and they say, oh, weird, it can't be lupus because there's no markers in your blood test that show it's lupus. So I went for a week thinking I have lupus. And so I start this like plan of how I'm going to naturally heal lupus. And then they call me and say, that's, we're actually mistaken. So I was like, this is wild. Like this is absolutely crazy. I've now like gone a week with no, no, no grounded information. And this is coming from a doctor. Two doctors were on the phone that day. They told me that. So anyways, I went to a naturopathic doctor who was uh, a nutritionist and did some other very woo-woo things too. And within about a week, we were able to get the skin challenge under, under control. But we started with doing basically like a food cleanse. And I had kind of already started that when I got that that call that I had lupus, I was like, let me just get on an anti-inflammation diet that's going to help to course correct. But I started really thinking about what else had been going on in my life at that time. There was a lot of dysregulating nervous system stuff going on in my, in my life. And as I think back on that, if I were to have come to you and shared those types of symptoms with you, what would your, have, what would your recommendations have been for me to, to get started the number one thing I would say is what is dysregulating your life right now that basically was the straw that broke the camel's back that made it kind of like spill over. So like, sure, there might be childhood things or whatever, but what is going on work-wise, family-wise that's contributing it to it now that we can kind of solve 
so that your system can then be more open and receptive to actually healing. Because if you're still in that environment, we're kind of fighting uphill against trying to counterbalance that while we're maybe trying to go into deeper things. So the number one thing I would say of if there are environments right now that are dysregulating you, both in your case or someone listening, let's start to identify those and where do we need to correct them? Do we need to get out of toxic relationships? Do we need to get out of toxic workplaces? Do we need to have more boundaries at work or with people or with partners or with family or whatever it is so that you can actually then approach healing from more of like a regulated place versus trying to heal while being dysregulated? Like to me, safety is paramount so that your body can actually feel safe to open and process. Your body's not necessarily going to feel safe to open and process if you're constantly getting dysregulated by your environment. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the only, the only person that really shared that with me, this was before I went to my naturopath was my acupuncturist. She's like, we're just going to work on your nervous system. Like we're not going to worry about what's going on with your skin or that you're tired or that all of these other things are going on. We need to work on your nervous system. So I, I was seeing her probably once a week and she was I, I felt like in the whole process, she was the only sane one because she was like, this is not about, of, because my GP, of course, was like, here, try this antibiotic, try it. And I'm like, I'm not doing any of that. Like, we don't even know what this is. So like getting on an antibiotic right now is clearly not it. And my acupuncturist was like, no, we need to just, you need to chill out right now. <laughs> this what needs to happen. And then we need to do some work around what's stored somewhere that's been triggered that we need to spend some time on. So I, I was really glad that I had her great advice and then, of course, went to the naturopath next and had another person who was like, I got you. I'm on your side. And like, you're not crazy. And no, you don't need an antibiotic to fix this. Like that, that Band-Aid is not it for you. That makes me so happy that you had like so many people that were not only like listening, but was like, no, like chill out. And like they provided that like safe, supportive space for you to heal. Because I think that is key versus like, having a doctor that's either dismissive or just chucking an antibiotic or something else at you and then running out the door, just like that space that they provided, I think is also probably what allowed you to like your body to actually chill out and heal because you felt held by them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think for anyone who's listening and they feel like, okay, I typically just do what my doctor says, what my general practitioner says, or what my dermatologist says, or whoever it might be. I think it's, it's worth remembering that you know your body best. And most of those appointments are like, you know, you're probably talking to the doctor for a total of like eight minutes. And if you have the ability to get that additional support, like an acupuncturist or whoever it might might be, do that and trust trust your intuition because you, you certainly know your body best. And while Western medicine can be amazing, it's not always necessarily the right answer. Yeah. And like, I'm not against Western medicine at all. I just, like you said, they spend maybe 15 minutes with you. You know, I remember when I was going through naturopathic school, like we spend an hour in the first appointment just getting to know you. So we just see things that they just don't have the ability to see because they're in 15 minutes, symptom, let's cover it up, out. They just don't have the time. And like just giving yourself the space where someone is actually diving into what is your stress like? What is your childhood like? What it happened this? It's like, oh, we just get more puzzle pieces that then allow us to form that picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. Okay. I want to shift the conversation and I want to talk about manifesting our wildest dreams, the things that we are, we have in our, in our vision boards and our minds. I, can you talk about some of the tips that you have about manifesting our desires? Yeah, of course. I love, I love manifesting and I know you're really big into manifesting too. So to me, 
when it comes to manifesting our desires, I think it's really important to become aware of not only who we're being, you know, during the five or 10 minutes you might be meditating or journaling, but it's also who you are the rest of the day. When I think about what quote unquote blocks people or prevents them, I always ask them like, okay, you're journaling or you're scripting, you're doing all these things, but who are you being the other like 23 hours of the day? right? That's the embodiment. That's the action you're taking. And like looking at actually where that's not in congruency with like what you're scripting out. I don't know if you're scripting out, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy. But then you go to the grocery store and you're in lack. I'm like, well, that doesn't match up. And so like, that's why it's not quote unquote working. And so I think while, you know, there's so many rituals and practices that can be useful, what I actually think is like the biggest thing is how you are existing and shifting the way your brain like perceives the world and how you're being throughout your day is what's going to actually allow that manifestation to happen so much faster. And also, I'll tongue died also with so much more ease as well. What do you recommend for someone who's like, okay, that sounds really good, but I get really nervous about being uncomfortable or stepping out of my comfort zone. How do we, how do we start to step out of the comfort zone and into that next level for us? Once you start normalizing getting out of your comfort zone, it becomes a lot easier, right? And I think we've all been like that kid who's like jumping into the pool, who's a bit scared at first. But once you jump into the pool, you're like, oh, this is fun. And then they do cannonballs the rest of the day. But the more you can regulate yourself by doing things that are slightly uncomfortable, a little bit more regularly, then that just becomes kind of the way of being. And I guarantee everyone listening to this has done something uncomfortable. You've given a speech at school or you've been in a play or you've, I don't know, ran a presentation at work or you've done something, I don't know, at the gym. Like you've, you've done something that was slightly uncomfortable. And so you can do it again. But the more you kind of play with that edge and instead of looking at, oh, I have to climb this huge mountain. Okay. How can I do a little bit today, a little bit today and start breaking it down versus thinking, Oh, there's this whole big thing I'm trying to manifest. I'm uncomfortable. If I try to think I'm getting from zero to a hundred or what about getting from zero to five and then five to 10, and then you start to stack it. And when you stack that, then you start to compound. And when you start to compound, you start to get momentum and you're like, Oh, okay. That was easy. That was easy. That was easy. That was easy. Versus if you never ran before and you're like, I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow yeah, that's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to get dysregulated. You're going to have fears come up where like, no, I'm going to run a kilometer today. And then you do uh, two kilometers and then three. That's going to be like the best way. How do we know when our intuitive voice is the one speaking versus an egoic voice? Oh, I love that question. I have actually have a podcast episode on this. So your egoic voice will be very much in lack, limitations, conditions, shoulds. You shouldn't do that that's not right. You know, this will happen. It's very fear-based. It's very conditioned shoulds, coulds. That's when you'll know versus your intuition will always be more expansive and or like neutral. Right. And so if you find like, you're getting like, Oh, you shouldn't do that. It's like, Ooh, I can see that that's fear. I know my intuition doesn't run on fear. Let me challenge that like thing that's coming up, that belief, that condition, like, is that actually true? Hmm. And the more you do that, the more you'll actually be able to discern the voice of your intuition and like even the tone, the texture versus like the, the lack, the conditions, the, the shoulds. And normally even just challenging, like, is this my belief or is this something else that I picked up? Like who's actually speaking there? Like what kind of voice is that? Is that actually mine? And when you ask whose voice is this, it might actually be mom's or dad's or a friend or a teacher or whatever. It doesn't matter, but it's not actually your voice. 
How do you personally stay excited about the future? Oh, no one's ever asked me that. I think I stay excited about the future by just allowing myself to constantly experience new things, right? Because the future is all about newness. And I think for a lot of people, newness can seem like uncertainty. Newness, newness can be more scary versus newness to me is like Christmas morning, right? When you think about Santa, you know, waking up to see what Santa got you, that's the future, right? You're excited to see what Santa brought you. But when we're operating from the lens of like fear, or we're looking at things of like, Ooh, what could go wrong? What could go, you know, poorly? I'm just like, what could go right? Like if I think about all the magical things that could possibly happen today, this week, this month, that's how I say excited because there's so many much room for good things to come in. And I think by focusing on the good or like, oh, this magic could happen or I could, you know, meet this amazing person and we could become friends or I could travel here and I could experience this or I could do that. And by focusing on that versus focusing on the, the things that could go wrong or maybe this will happen in the economy or in the country or with this or with that, it allows your brain to then be focused more on that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I have one final question for you. So I've been watching the Netflix show, The Blue Zone Show. I forget exactly what it's called, but it's about the blue zones. Have you been watching this? I've watched the whole thing. Oh, you have. My fiance binged it. Yeah. I loved it. It It's so good. It's so good. I'm I'm only on the second episode, but I I wanted to ask you, the first episode is all about the people in Okinawa. And so the question I wanted to ask you is there's this concept that they talk about in that episode um, called Ikigai, which is purpose. And it's one of the things that the the people that are interviewed all talk about is that a part of the of their longevity of th- themselves and then the people within their community is they all have ikigai, which is a purpose. So what would you say your ikigai is? Oh, that's a good question. I really feel like it's helping people with their, like their nervous systems, like at least for right now. And then from there, like once we get you to a regulated pace, kind of into that thrival mode and just a new way of, of seeing the world and then kind of like a new awareness. Like I love when women kind of like find that out, like, oh, and it starts to make sense. And then they start to thrive and they kind of just almost learn a new way of being, which is kind of like their original way of being that was just like had limiting beliefs and conditions and things that they picked up. And I'm just like, I I love seeing it. And yeah, that's kind of probably my Iki. I probably be doing it to the day I die, maybe in different contexts, but yeah. And I highly recommend to anyone listening that show I think is so good because it also shows you the parallels of like, they also do a lot for like stress. When Once you watch the whole series, you'll kind of see their emotional and their stress things and how, how they do that. And we'll also notice that none of them are spending three hours a day scrolling Instagram. Let me just say that. <laughs> none of them. Nobody's, of nobody's that. doing that at all. No one's doing that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, definitely go watch it. I'll put the link in the show notes for those that haven't checked it out. But you can find it by just going to Netflix because it's like very much like front and center right now. So, oh my gosh, this has been so, such a pleasure. Tell us where folks that are listening can find you and what else you've got, what else you've got coming up. I think the best way to find me is like just over on Instagram. So keep up with Liv. And then I also have my podcast, which you're going to be coming on right after we record this. So definitely come over and listen to Andy's episode because I know that's going to be really juicy. So come over and listen to that. And then I also, you know, have so many episodes on there on nervous system. So if anything like resonated with you, just like come and and listen to that because it's a really good space where I can like dive into more specific things. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with me. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I'll see you again really soon.
Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you to Olivia for joining the show. And thank you to you, our listeners, for showing up each week and for being a part of this community. It means so much to me. I've been seeing so many of you post about our recent episodes. I am so grateful every every time, every single time I see it, I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude. You know, when you start doing something like this, I think back to 10 plus years ago when I started my first blog. And then when I started this podcast, you just don't know if anyone's going to ever read your stuff or listen to your show. And when you see people doing it, it's like, oh, they actually do want to hear all the things that actually have made a difference in my life, because hopefully they're making a difference in yours too. If you're feeling that way and you haven't yet left us a review, Go ahead and drop down onto the app that you're listening to this show on and leave us a review that helps us to get bumped up in that podcast algorithm, which would be amazing for us. We'll be back again next week. We've got episodes coming at you through most of the rest of the year. We're going to wrap up right before the holiday officially begins. So we've got like another three, four weeks of episodes. Then we will take a little break and we will be back for season four with that rebrand I mentioned at the top of the show. I'll see you again next week. Until then, signing off.